0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I'm here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So happy Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday. This is one of our More Than Mom episodes. Um, We do these every couple of weeks, and they are all over the map in terms of topic. And Megan, I'm a little afraid. I don't even know what we're talking about today. You planned it. This
1: this is the best. I love this because um, the More Than Mom episodes I'm supposed to kind of be in control of, and... Sometimes I let Sarah know what we're talking about. And sometimes I just like to, you know, I know that you like to be in control of things and you like to know what you're getting yourself into. And today you really don't. So this is going to be a little bit different from other more than moms we've done. And that we're not going to talk about like pop culture or hair products or whatever. Although those are very fun. But we're going to be talking about the lives we didn't lead. Ooh. So yeah. So the crazy thing about life is like we seem to have all these endless choices, right? But then every choice you make. If you've seen the movie Sliding Doors with Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, where in one life she has short hair and in the other life she has long hair,
0: for example,
1: for example. And then I also think in one life she dies and the other one she doesn't. But that's I don't mean to give a spoiler of a 30 year old movie, but, you know, so as we know, one choice can lead to a path that leads you to another choice. And and through that process, like other outcomes are eliminated, which is difficult for someone like me to accept. But it is true. There are lives I will never lead. Um, so now, and in a couple of days, we're actually going to be talking in our regular Tuesday episode, we're going to be talking about FOMO, fear of missing out as it relates to motherhood, which is kind of related, right? Like this is fear of missing out on a life that like, literally the choice that you're about to make is going to take you down a path and you're not going to go down
0: the other path. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, we, we have already missed out on these lives, right? Like we're looking back now. We're looking back. These (laughs) lives is
1: done. Yeah. I suppose if you feel like, you know, like throwing me you know under the bus a little bit you could propose a future if like let's just see how this
0: goes i mean that feels way too unpredictable (laughs) i know (laughs) but like
1: just by the fact that right now sarah we are sitting here it is one o'clock on a friday my time we're sitting here recording that means i'm not doing something else
0: that's true. The other Megan with, with
1: short other hair Megan. or long
0: hair? Does the other Megan have <laughs> short hair or long hair? Well, it would
1: have been difficult for her to go. She could have gone to get a haircut. That's what the other Megan could be doing <laughs> right now is getting a haircut. That would literally change my life forever. So anyways, what we're going to do is I am going to propose some different periods of our lives and say, had you done this other thing? Okay. Where do you think? And you, this is fantasy, like it can be anything. And the fun thing I think is just, it's harmless. It's just harmless fun because we're not wishing away our lives. I'm very happy with my life. I don't wish any part of it away, even the hard stuff. But I do think it's interesting to think about a series of these small choices where they've led us. And then to think about like, wow, what would have happened if I'd had more kids or fewer kids? What would have happened if I had gone to college in a different place or something like that?
0: So I love it. Sarah, are you ready to play? I am.
1: That's code MOMHOUR5050 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
0: Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile.
1: Okay. Can I just ask you, Sarah, on a scale of one to 10, how uncomfortable is this making you?
0: I mean, well, let's be honest. Like I'm (laughs) safe in my house doing my job. So like at a, at a fundamental level, I'm totally fine. But as it relates to how we usually record the podcast and how prepared I am for the questions. Yeah. I'm pretty uncomfortable. I love it. Good. I I like
1: getting you on edge sometimes. I
0: trust you completely. And I think this will be really fun.
1: Okay. Well, I'll go first to prime the pump so that we can kind of see, like, you can kind of see how I approach it and you can approach it totally differently if you want to. But so this, the first question is instead of going to fill in the blank college and majoring in blank, if you had totally done a different, you know, like gone to a different college and majored in another thing, what, you know, what might've happened? So I'm going to go first. I went to a state university called Western Michigan University um, I majored in business. Then later, I switched to English the entire time I wished I'd gone to a smaller school and majored in theater. Mm-hmm. I did eventually end up transferring to a smaller school and, and majoring in theater, but that was like after I already had kids. And I never finished, by the way, I didn't finish any of my i I think I have like a hundred and five credits, but at this point, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like at this point. But let's just pretend I had gone to a small liberal arts college someplace in the Midwest, and I had majored in theater, okay? So here's my. The life I think I probably would have wound up with just being completely fantasy. Okay. So I think I probably would have done tons of theater in my early 20s. Okay. I think I would have held on to some dreams of going to Broadway. I think ultimately I would have realized it wasn't for me. Like I might have tried New York City and, and I didn't actually ever make it to New York till I was in my 20s. And I love it. But to me, it's always felt like a place. Even like the first time I got there, I thought I love this place. I love the energy. I don't want to
0: live here. Yeah. That's like, exactly how I feel about it. Yes, York.
1: It's like, it's a visit, not a stay. Right. So I think I'd have realized that. And I think I'd have also realized that while I love theater, like I just don't quite, there's a mix of like raw talent drive, um, drive to make it specifically in mm-hmm. theater and to do whatever it takes to make that your life. And I don't think I have that mix. Mm-hmm. I, I just think. I might've dabbled, maybe if I'd lived like in Chicago or something, I might've tried to kind of make a go of it. But I think it would have really depressed me to like move to a big city like Hollywood or New York specifically to make it as an actor and then not make it. I think Mm -hmm. I would have probably found ways to not do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I would have just kept getting into other things that would have kept kicking that can down the road Mm -hmm. or like pushing that dream off. And I ultimately wouldn't have done it. I think I would have probably still kind of wound up where I am now, where I would be- working performance and music into my life in various ways, but probably not as a career. And I think I probably would have still had kids young. I bet you I would have like married like a struggling musician or like someone in the scene. Mm -hmm. And then we would probably have still had kids in our twenties because what else are you going to do anyway? You're poor anyway. (laughs) And then who knows? I might have like very similar life to what I have now. Like when I think about that path, I don't think it would be wildly different from where I wound up. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so now are you ready to play? Yeah, my turn. Okay, so instead of going to Northwestern,
0: I'm majoring in English. Kay. Those are the two things I did. Okay. I'm torn because I have like two alternatives. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Go with both of them. I want to hear both. Okay. So one is that I go to an elite school on the East coast, which I really thought I wanted to do. Northwestern is an elite school as well by many standards, but it is in the Midwest, which makes it a little bit different. I had my eye on several schools in Boston, Harvard and Tufts, uh, in particular. And so if I had ended up there, I swear I still would have majored in English, but let's say for the sake of this conversation (laughs) that I get more on a track of um, like toward business. I think there's a good likelihood that I would have probably gone to grad school and gotten either a law degree or an MBA, um, especially if I was sort of surrounded by people who were doing those things. Mm -hmm. Um, it's likely that at those two schools, I would not have danced. I would not have kept up with dance as much as I was able to at Northwestern. And so dance would have probably phased out and either I wouldn't have done it at all, or it would have been downgraded to a hobby instead of almost upgraded to like a first career, like it was. So then if I'm not dancing and I'm going to grad school, um, I could definitely see like, Meeting someone in either an MBA or a law program, I could definitely see going into a more traditional like corporate first job. But the funny thing is, like you said, when you play that out to like age 26, 27, I want to say I still would have wanted to start a family. I still probably would have wanted to have a different work-life balance when I had little kids. So maybe I would have figured out like a part-time flex schedule. Um, I can definitely see myself thriving in a high power corporate or law. I'm not sure I would have wanted to be an attorney, but I, I did at one point, like the idea of going to law school, um, nonprofit, like that whole thing. I think there's like a whole thing that Sarah could have done that would have involved wearing suits. And probably (laughs) I would have met someone who was also very driven. The funny thing is like my husband now is very driven and very successful. But when I met him, he was an art major who like didn't do anything. And so it's so funny. Like (laughs) you end up, he didn't, he didn't, he would admit that I'm not just being mean, he slept till two o'clock every day and like temped and, um, you know, like I must have seen something in him, but he was not a driven individual, and it's so he funny was incom- He wasn't complete yet. No, yeah, it was, was like, and developing. I needed. Yeah. I needed that probably. Yeah. So okay, so that's kind of one path. Um, but I also the there is definitely a path where I went to Berkeley. And I love, I love Berkeley. Um, And at Berkeley, Berkeley is a huge, huge, big, big school. Um, And it's, I think I would have grown up quicker and like been a little scrappier on my own. My friends who went to Berkeley, they were living in apartments and like it's just a little bit gritty and like this, the university is really well known and has great academics, but it's more like being a grown-up. When I would go visit my friends at Berkeley, I felt like I was going to summer camp at Northwestern with dorms and RAs and people who looked out for you and my friends yeah. at Berkeley were like grown-ups. They were like 18, 19 biking around the city and, you know, living in apartments. And it just felt very like grown up is the only way I can think of it. So I probably would have kind of been a little scrappier, grown up a little quicker. I don't, I'm trying to think like still would have majored in English. That's the part I'm having yeah, trouble with. Like,
1: so there's no part of you that like, cause, cause for me, I will say like, when we, you know, are going to be talking about FOMO, um, one form of FOMO that I had big time going into college was if I chose this path, I can't choose that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, choosing a major was hard, constantly moving target and very difficult.
0: So, and I just, I knew I wanted to major in English from midway through high school and I never changed my mind. The one thing I did, and this could have played out is I went down a path of a creative, creative writing concentration at Northwestern. And I got accepted into a creative writing. Like it was like a sub program within the English department. And it was really hard to get into and I got all the way into it and did all the prerequisites and decided I didn't want to be a poet. So that's another whole thing. Like what if I was a poet? (laughs) So I dabbled with becoming
1: a poet. I would have also been awful. Um, so, but there was never any part of you that wanted to like teach English or like be a college professor in English. That wasn't the path you wanted to be on.
0: I, by the time I was entrenched in English departments, I Pretty clearly saw that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I spent my junior year abroad at Oxford, and that killed any remaining desire to be in academia. I just I've never felt, been interested in academia. Yeah, either, it just which is felt like it's so such a bubble. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, but the funny thing is if you'd asked me that in like ninth or 10th grade, I would have been all in on being like patches on my elbows. Like, I don't know that's like a manly English professor, but like, you know what I mean? I I wanted all of it. I wanted all of the literary cachet of being an English professor. But once I got into an English department, I was like, meh, no.
1: Well, okay, let's talk about that really quick because I also had a time of my life where I had this like fantasy about academia. And I think it was because I had this probably from watching like that movie with Robin Williams in it or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yes, I think I had this sort of romance about being a learned person around other learned people and immersing myself in a topic and just being like the smartest person there could ever be on this very specific kind of literature or whatever it yeah. was, right? And I think what ended up <laughs> I think what I kind of and I and I held on to that into my 20s. I did think about going back to college after um maybe after Isaac was born and I had already gone back to school and I thought maybe I could just take this all the way. Like maybe I was doing really well in school and I thought maybe I could just ride this path out. It felt like something I could do that I could be good at um and and that I would be interested in. And honestly the reason I decided not to is I was in a couple of forums back then message Mm -hmm. boards with moms in academia. And they talked about how hard it was to be a mom and to be in academia. And then I also kind of got a peek behind the curtain of like what it really means to be in academia. And it wasn't just sitting around chatting. um, With really smart people people, all the time. Turns out. (laughs) Yeah. And there was a lot of politics and a lot of, it sounded like a lot of backstabbing. Like it sounded like a, like a pressure cooker that I, did not think I would thrive in, yeah. so I didn't decide to do it. Was that kind of why yeah, for you? Or I like, yeah, I think so.
0: I think if you'd asked me, what I loved the most was being in a room with other people. And I loved the feeling of talking about literature. I loved it from mm. high school on. And and I thought if I could do that forever, take a poem or a piece of text or Shakespeare or a novel and be in a room with not, not people who are just talking to hear themselves talk, but who- There's gen- a lot of that too. There's a lot of that. And I think that's <laughs> one thing you'd get burnout about. Yeah. Um, but really to be able to solve, I, I looked at literature, like people look at a math problem. Like to me, it was so interesting to go deep and dive in. Um, I probably would have been really happy, honestly, being like an AP high school English teacher. That's Mm. where you could do that thing. Just read great works, talk about them with smart people and not have to do the rest of academia. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a lot of things. Um, but I just think I, I loved being an, a student of English literature and I just never saw a path for being a professor of one.
1: Yeah. And I think for me that like hearing you talk about that, the other thing that I have is a general impatience. Like I like ideas and concepts to a certain point, but then I want to like take the idea or concept and do something with it, like act on it or change something with it. Yeah. And and like having the whole point be just talking about it, just the the fact that it exists, yeah. And like just the discussion and and um, like dissection of that, I think would have driven me nuts. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a dissertation, I think. Oh yeah. Thinking about that, that's
0: another thing that turned me off. Is I I am very intimidated. You know this about me. I'm very intimidated by big projects where I can't see the end. So the idea of even a master's thesis, let alone a PhD, never excited me. It always yeah. was like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather write 10 page papers for the rest of my life than do a thesis mm-hmm. or a dissertation. Is that funny? I'm such a, it is. Funny. I'm a scaredy cat.
1: No, I don't think so. I think there's a, that's not being afraid. That's like, there is a level of nerdery yeah Um, sometimes I will say I've said this sentence this level of nerdery I do not wish to participate in (laughs) and that's I think what it is like you have to be so in love with that topic and that topic to the exclusion of all other things yeah for a pretty long period of time like when people are working on a master's thesis or a dissertation they're not doing other stuff like they don't have brain space for that right so that would be difficult for me I think I'm too much of a butterfly so this is really interesting like this took us down a whole yeah rabbit hole Yeah. That I didn't anticipate yeah. which is why this is fun um okay are you do you feel like you yeah covered everything? I'm moving okay. on
0: I am no I'm not a poet okay
1: you're not a poet turns out um okay so now the next scenario are going to be a place that you left pretend you never left and I think I'm going to hit two and I'll hit them pretty quick okay um and I'll go first in this and then maybe for part two you can go first okay both times, okay? okay so for mine okay so just to give you the to set it up I live in a small town a small city in Michigan, about 30 minutes from the same small town that I graduated high school from. Okay. So my life is not that much different than it was when yeah. I was in high school. It's the two towns are pretty different for how close together they are, but still, it's small town Michigan. I've lived in Michigan almost my entire life. So the two that I chose were the two the most outside of the norm for me, and mm-hmm. that was Nashville. I lived there when Jacob was born. He was born there. Um, very different in Minneapolis. Okay, And I lived there when Jacob and Isaac were little. Um, Isaac, We moved there when Isaac was like six weeks old. So no, I take that back. We moved there when Isaac was like six days old. What am I thinking? Okay. So I'll start with Nashville. So I actually really loved Nashville. Like I loved the topography of it. I thought it was a physically very beautiful place. The people were very friendly. And what was cool about Nashville is it's such a melting pot. It's really not like not everybody has a southern accent. Like mm, everybody yeah. is there to do something else mm-hmm. in the kind of the way I, I assume like LA is. Like yeah. you're a server, yeah. but you're also, a you know, singer. Yes. a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Or trying to get into the biz. Um, so it's cool. It was like this cool blend of people from all over the place. And at that time, I was actually really into country music. So I think I probably would have ended up trying to get into the music business. I don't think I I don't think I would have wanted to be a singer. I think I would have again, just like with the Broadway thing, I think Mm -hmm. I would have held on to that fantasy for a little bit and then realized I probably didn't want to do the things like I wasn't cut out to do the things that it would require to do. Um, but I think that I would have probably gotten into performing in some way. And I think I probably would have tried to get into some kind of creative aspect of the first job I ever applied for was as Reba McIntyre's personal
0: assistant. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I didn't
1: get an interview, (laughs) but this was when I was like the first real job. I was at college and my brothers at the time lived in Nashville and I got on this website. It was like a job site because I was going to go down there for the summer. And then I started fantasizing. I'm like, what if I just left Michigan and lived there? And then I got on this website and it was not, it was like a play on Yahoo. And I think it was like Yoohoo or something, but it was like a Nashville job board. And I found this job that was like Reba McIntyre's personal assistant. I applied for it. That's Um, amazing. So yeah, and I remember that very clearly. Like thinking, what if I got that job? That would be amazing. So I, I think I still probably would have had a big family. Probably not as many kids as I wound up with because I think I might have wound up in a more corporate job down there. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I would have gotten into a job that would have kept me really busy. Um, And I think that would have been a very, very different life. It's like the most different of any of the other things I can visualize would be had I stayed there. So it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah. But, um, but as it turns out, I am not Reba McIntyre's personal assistant and I don't do anything in the music business. So that didn't happen. Then there's Minneapolis. I lived in Minneapolis, um, for pretty, like maybe uh, we lived there for maybe six months and then we moved away. Then we came back for like a year or something like that. So it was about a year and a half all told. Okay. And I loved Minneapolis. It's, um, definitely like the largest city in Minnesota. It's not a huge city, but it's big enough. It's got everything. It's got like, not as big as Chicago. It, it's, but like, but it's, it's got I, a lot I've of live actually, theater. Yeah. And,
0: I've, I've been in Minneapolis downtown, like three different times. So I have a pretty yeah. good sense of the city. And every time I went, it was good weather. So I always joke yeah. that like in my mind, it's always like 72 degrees there, but, um, it is, a, it's a great city. I mean, it has yeah, it's, a, it's very neat. like Portland, yeah, it's got everything Portland's and, like, like that too. It has, yeah, it, it, it feels very urban, even though it's not huge.
1: Yeah. It reminds me in a way, it reminds me of that vibe. Um, So I really liked it there. I really loved it. It it had this, I kind of at the time was in my most hippie mom phase. Mm -hmm. So I sort of had this very crunchy group of artsy friends. Mm -hmm. And I think I could have seen myself then if I lived there going down this very bookish creative writer Mm -hmm. direction. I was Mm -hmm. already kind of getting there. Like in those days, everything I wrote was, I was just writing essays all the time. And like, I think I really could have seen myself going down a writerly path there that was Mm -hmm. different than the writerly path I wound up on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I probably, you know, we might've ended up living like in a, like in a two flat, someplace in like the downtown area by the little chain of lakes down there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really cool city. It's accessible and Mm -hmm. small enough that you, I feel like it's easy to get around, easy to meet people, it's not as overwhelming as like Chicago was for me. Chicago was very overwhelming for me. So I I think that I probably would have been very happy there and then just kind of miserable in the winter. But what else is new?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I will do Chicago. That kind of makes the most sense. So I went to Northwestern as we've discussed after graduation, I moved to the city and I think I was there um, two and a half years. And then Brian and I moved to Arizona. We were engaged when we moved. And so th- one of the biggest differences is first of all, we moved kind of suddenly. And before any of our friends were moving out of the city and settling down by like, a f- by, by years really. So yeah. I almost feel like our, our young twenties in the city was sort of Cut short, not in a bad way. I mean, we followed good jobs and anyway, but I think we would have had kids later. So I'll just, in this scenario, I'll say that Brian and I are together because we were. So we, if we had stayed in the city, we would have stayed in very much like 20s, in our 20s, living in Bucktown. We had the cutest ground level apartment with like an exposed brick wall. It was tiny, but I loved it. So I think we just would have like thrived for longer and probably had kids. Later. Now, the Mm -hmm. other interesting thing to think about is I was dancing professionally at that time, and I had started to like halftime work as a corporate writer from home um, for what was at the time my dad's company and I would have, I would have wanted to transition out of dancing at some point, the move to Arizona made it really easy. Cause I kind of just did it cold Turkey. I just quit. If we'd stayed, I would have still, I would have been dancing longer. So I would have probably danced for a few more years. And then I would have had to figure out what, if not dance, what else do I want to do? Do I want to write? Do I want to go back to grad school? So I think Many things would be the same, but I think what would be different is I think we would have had kids later and stayed in the city longer, like many of our friends did. And we would have been kind of part of this very like Midwest post-college experience of like, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you knew people who moved to Chicago. Everybody moves to Chicago. I happen to only go to school like 12 miles outside but people from wisconsin and indiana everybody moves to chicago and like you would have been very much in the same milieu of people that
1: i currently know that i hang out with when i go to chicago because that's their life they're they're all that they all became friends because they were that post-college group that didn't leave and now they all have kids but it's like they all kind of went through these stages
0: at the same time Yeah, and they're probably my age right aren't they in like their late 30s but they have babies so that's Mm -hmm. like that's the part that i think is really different is i think we would have stayed in that Um, because once we moved to Arizona, we just were like grownups. We had a house and we had a baby and, um, Arizona people tend to start families younger. So I think that would have been the The big difference. One thing, one more thing I'll say, and then we need to take a break is I had a real chip on my shoulder about the Chicago suburbs and we have many listeners in the Chicago suburbs and I love you guys. And I have since kind of changed my tune because I live a very suburban life now and I see the benefits of having your little, your burb. But at the time when I was living in the city and I would go out and I'd teach dance in a bunch of different suburbs. And I thought (laughs) this is going to be so mean, but I thought I will live in Chicago as long as possible, but I am never, moving to the suburbs I was well, like really? everybody thinks that
1: Sarah that is not okay so okay. everybody I know who lives in Chicago or has lived in Chicago has in their 20s and early 30s been like I would never live in the suburbs <laughs> like no way like those people who have kids and move to the suburbs are so lame blah 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 and, and then, then they have kids and then they realize it's really hard to do yeah. the city with kids it just is like and I lived in Chicago for a year with kids and then moved because I Didn't want to live in the suburbs, not because they were suburbs necessarily, but because it was so it was still so expensive and inconvenient to live in the suburbs the way we were doing life at the time that I was like, I'm just moving to Michigan. I mean, I'm only 90 minutes away. It's not that much further. I might as well just be where my family is and not pay all this money to still like not be able to keep up. Right. But like. Everybody thinks that, and most people still end up in the suburbs.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing for me is I grew up in a mid-sized city that doesn't really have suburbs. So I was very unfamiliar with this idea that you have your thriving city, and then it just expands like a spider web. And the farther away you go, like the farmier it gets. But otherwise, it's just this, it's almost like Chicago's the focus and everything else is a commuter town. And now I yeah. realize that's not really how it is, but because I didn't, I didn't grow up in a, I just grew up in a mid-sized city that Where didn't don't work have like that. It, right? So like, I didn't, you have, there's neighborhoods and stuff, but not city suburb dynamics. And I just, I think I found it very foreign and I thought, well, I would just move somewhere else. I wouldn't move to the yes. suburbs. And so now uh, yeah. I say that and I, I love, I mean, I love all of Chicagoland.
1: Well, well, what, what really su- a suburb is such a, I think a miss, a missed opportunity. It, it's, It's a city. It's a small city that functions on its own. That is adjacent to a larger city where more people work, but not necessarily. But you can live in a suburb, and that can be the hub of your life. Like you, it's not like you're in the suburb, like longingly looking over at the skyline, thinking, "Gosh, I wish I was in Chicago right now." I mean, (laughs) no, I don't think that's the way it works. And now that I've been removed long enough, when I go into Chicago, I'm like, "That was great. I'm glad to go. Like, I'm glad to leave now because people who live in Chicago don't leave their neighborhoods that that much because." who wants to deal with the traffic and who wants to deal with all that stuff. So it's all, we all have these perceptions about the way that stuff plays out when we're not in
0: it. Yeah. And I was very, very naive. So, right. Yeah. It just makes sense.
1: Okay. I have one more question for you. Then I know we have to go to a break. Okay. Do you think, had you stayed in Chicago, is there any chance you would have continued dancing? Like, would you have taught, could you have seen that being a big part of your life? Or were you at some point just kind of, ready to be done with that as a profession or a.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. So here's how I'll answer it. When I left, I was almost 25, just like a month shy of turning 25. And I was starting to get burned out on just what, Where my place in the dance world was, I was never going to be in the Joffrey Ballet. I was making money. I was in small companies. I was hustling and I was doing other things to make money. And I was getting a little bit tired of that. And to be really honest, I was, I was wanting a little bit more intellectual. I wanted my brain to get an exciting career, not just Mm. my body. And so I didn't really want the career path that like my mentor and teacher has still, I mean, to this day, she remains like a dance teacher and choreographer as her main career. She only owns a house. She has a kid like it's not she doesn't have a side hustle. That is her career. Her and It side, pays yeah. her a full. She's been on faculty at the university. So it could have been a career. It didn't seem like it was going to be my career. Um, but what I loved was I loved the people. So that would have been interesting to see how, how I might've made dance and the culture of dance stay in my life, even if it wasn't the career path, because choosing another career would have meant a lot less time to go to class. So that would have been interesting. Um, I, I lost touch with a lot of people. It was a few years before Facebook. And so I lost touch with a lot of people that I was really close with in those years. And then because there wasn't really social media, by the time there was social media I don't know. I just never found them and friended them. So I can, I mean, right. I can think of six or eight people I was really close with and I have no idea what they're doing or if they're still dancing or, you know, they're, that's a sliding doors moment. Like what their right. life is like, they probably have kids, but they might be a full-time dance teacher. Like, so Maybe yeah. One of them is listening right now. Hey, come say hello to us. <laughs>
1: Sarah, you and I talk a lot about what a great bonding experience it can be when families explore hobbies together. And that makes me think of our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids. Carnegie Hall Kids is a free website for kids ages 5 through 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. And they have so many online resources that can help facilitate music education as a family. So if music and culture are a value in your family, I think this is such an easy way to explore that.
0: Yeah, before we started working with Carnegie Hall kids, I knew about Carnegie Hall because of all the famous artists who have performed there over the last, you know, 100 years or so. And now I think it's so great. They're making all that incredible music and history accessible to kids all over the world for free.
1: Yeah. And with summer break around the corner, moms are always looking for some guilt-free screen options to offer their bored kids. I would suggest Carnegie Hall kids' interactive musical explorers around the world map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the U.S., and a lot more.
0: Yeah, that map is really fun. Well, listeners, whether you're looking for music education you can do as a family or for your kids to explore independently, start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes.
1: Okay, Sarah, I've got a couple more, and these are very specific to motherhood. Okay. um, Or at least are very specific to how kids shaped our lives as they are now, I Mm -hmm. guess. And then I'm going to have you go first. Okay. Now. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning of motherhood. I want you to pretend you had kids five years earlier than you did. And Mm -hmm. then when I answer, I'm going to pretend that I had kids five years older.
0: Interesting. Okay. So that would have meant that I got pregnant at 20 Two and had a baby at 23. So like we'll pretend like right out of college. Um, Interesting. Okay. you like, I don't know. Everything would have been ruined. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm yeah. just having to think about this. I think I would have probably gone all in on motherhood. Not that I didn't already, but I think because it was at that time in life where you're kind of thinking about like, what's my career? Like, what am I, for me, I'm like, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it really well. So I would think I probably would have just gone all in on, on motherhood and parenting i probably let's assume i would have been able to kind of be a full-time mom stay at home i'm just since this is hypothetical that's where i'm mm-hmm. going with this um i bet i would have had kids close together and a bunch of them um because i love being a mom i will assume i would have loved it then um I don't know. Okay, you go. I'm gonna say okay. more, but I'm I'm a little stuck. yeah. No,
1: that's fine. So for me, because it's it's interesting because for me this does this answer does not move the needle as much as I would have thought. And like, maybe that maybe I,
0: mine doesn't either, and that's why that's, I'm struggling. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what's so interesting is like when I talk to people who will say, "Wow, you had kids when?" and I'll say, "Well, I was pregnant with my first at 19. He was born when I was 20. Like I wasn't out of college yet. Blah blah blah." And they'll say things like, "I couldn't have never done that," or the kind of the sort of the um the underlying assumption or the the implication is that it would have completely derailed their lives Mm, yeah and that by association then i kind of then i sort of am thinking oh so did it completely derail my life and what's funny is if i had had kids kids five years older first of all i wasn't really killing it in life at the age of 19 (laughs) i was i was a hard worker like i was working a lot i was kind of like sort of trying at school. I I really wasn't sure why I was in college and like, I didn't have a lot of focus there. So I wasn't the best student, but I was working a lot and like, you know, fairly responsible, I guess, for a 19 year old, but I just didn't really have much going on. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think I would have kind of frittered those five years away. Like, Mm. I think I would have been one of those people who spends a lot of time in the bars in their early twenties and dated, or just Mm kind of like had a boyfriend that I just hung out with and I really just don't think, I don't think I got really serious about life until after I had kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that would have changed for me if I had them later. I right. think I just would have, I'm not going to say wasted more time, but right. I wasn't a very intrinsically driven person until after I had kids. There's, that not, was something really, that,
0: there's not something you would have like filled those five years with. No,
1: there, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. I think I would have, like I said before, when I was talking about, had I I don't remember what the oh had I gone to a different college and just kind of assumed I didn't have kids super young mm-hmm. I would have probably done a lot of shows I would have probably mm-hmm. dabbled I would have maybe tried to like make it as an actor but I think of I think no matter what I would have wound up kind of coming back to this place where the kids were what kind of flipped that switch for mm-hmm. me or else it would have been flipped by age maybe it would be a maturity or yeah. something Cause I could have maybe never had kids. So like there's something, you know, there could have been another outcome. Yeah. Um, I would have had fewer, I think, because I think what I would have done if I had waited five years, then I would have started having kids right around the same time as my best friends mm-hmm. started having kids. And I think I would have had three just like Jenna did. Mm-hmm. And then I think I would be done.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I was saying I might've had more yeah. um, just because time, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, like that's part of the reason I have five is I had a lot of, I had a lot of ramp on it. Yeah. Ramp.
0: Um, Another thing I thought of is I, I've always thought that I had a nice amount of career before I had kids, like not as much as some people, but enough that I, I felt pretty confident. I feel pretty confident in what I know I'm good at, what types of work environments I do well in. And if I had had kids at 23, I would not have likely have had some of that work experience, which just would have meant, you know, whenever I decided to ramp up a career again or whatever kind of work I went into, I think would have have been a little bit more like feeling around in the dark without that kind of foundation knowledge of, of what kind of work is out there. So I think that would have, I'm sure I would have found my way to fulfilling work, but it might've looked different if I'd raised a bunch of little kids in my early and mid twenties and then got my head out of the sand and had to figure it out as a 30 year old, for example. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And I just think what I, what I think is so interesting is where this keeps bringing us is like, in the end, life might not have really been that different. Like, like we could have had a different spouse. Like most likely had I gone to a different college, I would have had a different partner and same for you or like things like that. But I feel like the things that make us, us, like those basics of like where, where we kind of would have taken our lives probably aren't that different. Mm -hmm. It just, or maybe it's just that we can't even imagine what they would have been. Um, okay. So last one. Okay. And you're going to go first again. Okay. Let's pretend you have two fewer kids than you do. So you're a mom of an only. And then I'm going to pretend I had two more kids than I do.
0: Oh, this is like I almost thought it was a typo when I read it. I was like, wait, no. no." Yeah.
1: okay. I'm taking us to the opposite extremes.
0: The extremes. And then
1: we could answer the other way, too. Like you could also then say, what if you had five and what if I had three?
0: Um, you're right. That's less interesting because we kind yeah, of. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Good we job. Because we have that. Yeah. You, you planned this so well. <laughs> um, okay. As a mom of an only, I would be kind of a disaster, I think. I would have two. <laughs> that's so funny. Poor Allegra or uh, whichever kid it would be. Yeah. Um, I would. And that's not to take away from any parents of onlys because it comes with its own like blessings and challenges, I think. But um, I think I really benefit from seeing the diversity in my kids and having that validate that it's not all within my control. I think a really hard thing for my personality having an only would have been the illusion that this was something I could craft and mold and control to the nth degree. Um, and I think that would have been an interesting dynamic. I might have been more overbearing as a mom. Um, I, I would hope that I would still, you know, we would still create a great family dynamic and I would still have a great relationship with that child. Um, but I think it would look, there might v- be more stress. There might be more stress and, and, um, yeah, but maybe the flip side I actually did a, a voices interview with our friend, Karen Walrund about raising an only, and you know, the, some of the really cool flip sides is the ability to travel the world with one kid yeah. and the, um, the, the kind of singularity of focus you can have to really nurture a kid's passions and their so there's lots of cool things that that kid yeah. would I th- I think onlys are I think it's a really interesting conversation it is not a better or worse by any means I just think my personality would have really kind of struggled with what's my what's my role here
1: Yeah, well I'm going to answer for the only thing too because I just think it's interesting yeah. especially because it's so different from my re- my reality Right Um it, it when you were talking about like the having some not it like it's like having it's like having control group or something right when you have the other kids you have some comparison you can go oh they're not all like this i didn't do this to them or whatever it is and one of my experiences even with my oldest is like not really realizing until like jacob had to get pretty old and the other kids had to get pretty old before i was able to go oh so these are the ways in which he's just intrinsically different than them and they're intrinsically different from him and it has like it takes a while to see that fruit of whatever it is you've been doing. So I can see how that could create for me. I think I tend to, to go with the, it'll be fine. Like that's like my, (laughs) my, um, default. Yeah. But I can see how, if, if your default is to kind of go in the other direction, it could be like, this is wrong. Right. This is a problem. Yeah. So for me, I think I would have actually been a really good mom of an only, like, I feel like I would be more organized and just more focused. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would have been, I think I would be like, I would feel like something was missing or feel a little less. Um, like I like the bustle and I feel like I would have maybe tried to find other things to create mm-hmm. the bustle with. And I don't know what that would have been, but like, I could see that be like me almost taking him out into environments that are like kind of crazy so that I yeah. could get that feeling of activity around us. But I think it actually would have like been really good for him. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have figured it out. Mm-hmm. So like, it's funny to think of that's so not the path I went down that it's hard to even think about yeah. it. But like, I really think it could have been a lot of fun, and yeah. I—that I, is one of those like, like alternate realities. That so yeah. I go, huh? That would have made like a really big difference in in my life, and yeah, who knows? Yeah. Okay, so now I—you're going to answer. Wait, oh, did no, you tell I still have yeah, you have seven kids. I haven't kids. done mine yet. That's right. I have seven kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is at the far end, the, this, the yeah. furthest extreme from having one. Okay, this could have happened. So I had, you know, the, the possibility of having children was taken off the table for me at 35. Had that not happened, it is not outside the realm of possibility that I would have had two more kids. I was only 35 and in my family, people stay fertile, like into their forties. Yeah.
0: So. Okay. So back up for just a second. Our, our listeners may not know. So you had a hysterectomy at yeah. 35, you had yep. Clara at 32, right? Yes. When
1: Clara yep. was, uh, Clara, well, 31, I was almost 32.
0: Okay. Um, when Clara was say two or three years old in the, not right after what did, what would you have said was the likelihood just based on your, you know, desire and, you know, I know you didn't like to plan it all out, but like, yeah, I, I think I felt done. I think I could have
1: swayed myself from feeling done. Okay. I think there might've come a point when she was like getting close to kindergarten and like, I could have seen myself possibly going, let's keep this party going mm-hmm. a little bit longer. Once that was off the table for me, I didn't mourn it too much. And I really never thought about it again. Like it was, you know, that was a done deal. I, it's not like I was like, oh, I really wish I had had seven kids. Mm-hmm. I just could see there being a life where that would have been something mm-hmm. I wanted. Um, it, I don't, I'm glad I don't. But like, I could see that having happened. Yeah. Um I think as a mom of seven, I would be relationally very similar to how I am now, like how I've been Mm -hmm. with my kids. Um, I think I would be sloppier. Mm -hmm. I believe that I was starting to wear out (laughs)
0: like
1: (laughs) age doesn't help. Yeah. The fact that I have so many other things that I want to do and I had this short, relatively short window of time where I was fine with putting all those things on hold. Mm -hmm. I think that that would have, I think I would have begun. It wasn't, it wouldn't be the number of kids. It would be the time commitment. Yeah.
0: It's the longevity of the the longevity, the kid raising. Yes. And
1: I think I would have started to really come up against choices that like, I'm either going to have to really be okay with doing infants a different way than I've ever done them before. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go out of my way to avoid the chaos of having like a house full of kids while I'm and babies and other people's babies and stuff like that while I'm also trying to like do all this career stuff like that I think was not going to work like there would have come a a a point where I would have had to like really make some clear choices about how I was going to do motherhood I'm putting that in quotes right um and I know that there are moms with six or seven or more kids who are super organized and have help and like they run it like a business and Mm -hmm. I kind of run it like like a not particularly well-run family business and not so much like a corporation. Right. So like that, I think would have had like to change that
0: cafe down by the water that's been there forever. <laughs> right, like, and like probably like, makes no money, but they right, seem like, pretty the happy. The linoleum
1: is all cracked and like the health department, you probably don't want them coming through. Like that would have, I think my life would have gotten sloppy in that way. Or I would have had to make a very clear decision to make it not so. And 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 that would have looked like
0: like almost like a second phase of motherhood. You hear that a lot with people, with parents of many, many, that it's almost like two different families. Um, We have a couple of listeners, I just know from Instagram and emails, like we have a couple of listeners with nine and ten children. Um, And also our friend Amy Wilson at What Fresh Hell talks a lot about. She's one of six, but there's like a, I want to say her youngest sibling was born when she was in college, like a huge age gap over the six kids and just families like that it becomes like families within families like groupings yeah. within groupings so but I think you I mean, would have been a great mom of seven oh, you well, could do you. it like with your eyes closed
1: uh, and it's not outside the realm of possibility that I might have remarried and had kids with somebody else
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean that sounds crazy to even think about but like it's not outside the realm of possibility and then that brings that person to the table and whatever their abilities or Mm -hmm. resources would have been you know what i mean like that's another whole because i i've been um separated divorced for over two years now Mm -hmm. so and i probably could still be cranking. i bet Mm -hmm. you i'm still cranking out eggs Mm -hmm. right now they're just (laughs) getting lost they're not going anywhere (laughs) but like you know what i mean so like that is a possibility It's just wild to think about.
0: That is wild. I have, just as a end cap to this, um, we're going to talk about FOMO on Tuesday. And this didn't come up in that conversation, but I do look at families of four often. And I have three, obviously. Yeah. And I, it's this, it's not a FOMO. It's this feeling like, well, I could have done that like I yeah. could have, I was young enough. Um, I think I still had the wherewithal to do it. I wasn't totally worn out yet. Actually. I mean, I, the, my third kid was, that was a hard transition to three, but I could have done it. I, I didn't want to, and I'm, I have no regrets about it, but when I see moms of four in particular, like four, you know, little ones, or maybe like middle age, like mine are, it's more of like, well, I, I could have, I could, I, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Almost like a little
1: familiarity there. Like, like I see that, like yeah. that could be me.
0: And yeah. I, and I definitely have thought when we've been around um, families with younger kids, Violet is such a youngest, as you guys know, in our family, that when she's around a, a toddler or a preschooler, I've just had this, like the whole like flash of like, wow, what would it have been like if she wasn't the youngest? And if she had a younger, so mm-hmm. many things would have been different. So.
1: Yeah, Clara too that would rock her world and she would not be pleased yeah I think actually
0: it would have been good for Violet so yeah
1: but well Clara and and Clara and Violet are very different babies of the family definitely definitely very very different and so um it's interesting to see how that like to just kind of play it through yeah how that might have looked yeah yeah very interesting Well, this was really fun. See, I did good. You did great. Actually, I think you did. It's almost (laughs) like you practiced.
0: No, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, this was really fun. Um, And yeah, we're just going to wrap up, I guess. You're driving the bus. Are we wrapping up? Oh, shoot.
1: Yes, I was supposed to fill out that part in the box. That's okay. There's like an outline and there's a box that literally says wrap up and I didn't put anything in that box.
0: Let's pretend we're in an alternate reality where you did (laughs) fill out that box and all it says is we're done. We're done guys. <laughs> All
1: Definitely right, tune in for our episode on Tuesday. Cause I think it'll dovetail nicely with this, where we talk about motherhood and FOMO if you're missing out. Um, and we will talk to you soon.
0: All right. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor Erica to help them unplug.
1: That is amazing.
0: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code theMomHour. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K E R I K A dot A P P and use code theMomHour to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple podcasts, just navigate to the mom hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole, and then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.